Ladies and gentlemen, the Empire Podcast is proud to present for the first time ever live and in studio, the Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra presents, the Empire Podcast presents, for the first time ever live and in studio. Wait a minute, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> this is going well. The Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra mouth trumpet version. All right, I've forgotten how it goes. How does it go? Anyone remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. different keys but that's totally fine yeah and we forgot our kazoos which is regrettable but you know i left mine on my desk in my office at home and i like put it there this morning going do not forget that as you're leaving and i forgot it as i was leaving that is the sort of anecdote you can expect <laughs> over the next scintillating hour and a half or so. How long? Helen's got a heart out, haven't you? A hard, half, hour and a half, yeah. All right, so Helen may leave mid-sentence. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the return, the glorious return of the Empire Podcast Weekly MCU Spoiler Specials. It has been a while. We didn't do this for What If... Uh, but we're back, 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 because the MCU is back, back, back on Disney Plus with... Hawkeye! It's beginning to look a lot like Hawkeye everywhere we go. That's right, folks. Christmas time is here, and naturally, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is spreading Christmassy cheer everywhere with Hawkeye. The first two episodes out of six, Mm -hmm. which debuted today, Wednesday, the 24th of November on Disney Plus uh, and there will be four more to go and we'll be doing weekly spoiler specials for each of them and the first two episodes threw up a lot of questions folks mm. a lot of questions what is going on with Clint Barton and you know the Ronan suit how will Kate Bishop get out of this predicament that she is in is her mother dodgy as hell <laughs> And perhaps the biggest and most important question of them all, what accent is Tony Dalton going for? (laughs) I really don't know. I really don't know. Uh, Anyway, I'm joined as ever by uh, my three colleagues of such lethal cunning, Helen O'Hara. Hello. James Dyer. Hello. Amon Warman. Sup, bro? Bro. Bro. Welcome to the podcast, bro. (laughs) Thanks, bro. Squadcast name, American Graffiti. Brackets, Thanos was right. <laughs> no. Well, I feel like I feel like we can't do these things without squadcast names, even though we're no longer on squadcast. Uh-huh. So I brought yeah. my own with a little name tag that I'm but just going to wear. Your squadcast name for this is your squadcast name for every episode. Admittedly, that's true. It did require an awful lot of thought. Thanos was right, but I like the validation. So. Yeah, that wasn't validation. Sure, that it was, was. condemnation. <laughs> I, I like to think that Hawkeye nodded imperceptibly when he saw it. No, so. he did not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not in a good way. I think he, he nodded have. in the sense of. We saved these people. No, he, he nodded because he, he recognized the, the part he had played in, in you know, the mistake. He, he recognized his mistake. Wow. Yeah. wow. His error. 
his error in rectifying. That's right, yes. What Thanos did. That's right. And causing Hawkeye. Look in the Hudson, Chris. Do you see any whales? No, you don't. Well, uh, presumably you currently would actually in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because there hasn't been enough time people mm-hmm. being back to re-pollute the Hudson. So mm-hmm. actually, I'm pretty sure there's so still whales there. So my whole argument is flawed. Yes, yes. Right. very, very much so. Right. <laughs> Look at the Hudson, James. You see a whale? Yes, because Sully Sullenberger just landed a plane on it. <laughs> Sorry, whale. <laughs> you had a good run. <laughs> but it's over for you now. Uh, do you think Sully got blipped? No. No? I think he's there Imagine if he got blipped at the controls of a plane. He'd be going, not again! <laughs> <laughs> this is, no! Not, of course, that's what happened last time. He no, was dude. heroic and mm. saved all those people. But I it's good that we are all here, that. sitting here mm. in our velour tracksuits, as is the uniform <laughs> for four guys. So. Yes, indeed, bro. Yes. Uh, although I think the best piece of fashion in these two episodes was the uh, the suit that the Kate wore towards the end of episode two. Very, that was very nice. a very good suit. Good suit. Waiter chic. Uh, I like Helen. What do you think? Is the, the at the party? The, you mean? No, the when she she's at the flat, the apartment. As oh yeah, yeah, I thought you meant the she, party. She goes, she, yeah. No, no, that was nice. She wore the shit yeah. out of that. She, yeah. Well, she's yeah. uh, she's like a, a regular on Go Fuck Yourself's fab uh, list. You know, Who, Haley Steinfeld. Haley yeah. Steinfeld. She's a very very well dressed young woman, this and she can true. also carry things off that she shouldn't be able to because she's like just tall and slim and and very you know graceful and shit. She looks good Hair. in the tux. She does. I don't. I hate her. I love her. I think she's great. But yeah. <laughs> wow. She's got true grit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. Okay. But yeah. So um. So yeah. That that's um. That's her aunt's suit. Um. Is 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 cool. Her aunt, of course, is a character in the comics. She is. Mm. Yes. Yeah. She um. She's, she's Kate Bishop. Yeah. She is a um. <laughs> she died defending Hawkeye from Crossfire and was made an honorary West Coast Avenger. Oh, well, that's embarrassing. I know. Well, you know, you kind of everything. <laughs> the only thing worse than that is being, being a great Lakes Avenger. <laughs> wow. An honorary West Coast Avenger. Like, not even a good Avenger. Maybe, I, hey, listen, maybe, it's a, maybe it's part of the overall arching umbrella, you know, I don't want to... I'm pretty sure Pizza Dog is a West Coast Avenger, so the bar is quite low. <laughs> I did look up Pizza Dog. I was like, is there something I'm missing here? Isn't he called there's Arrow there's... in the comics? Uh, he is at times. Yeah. He's also called Lucky. Yeah. Um, but he, I was like, you know, is is there more to this? Is this going to be a Flurkin situation? And of course, it's not. He's literally, I literally looked him up and it's like, he is a dog with the powers common to his oh, species. Oh, that's hilarious. The entry in the wiki is amazing. Yes, he has the powers common to his species, i.e. none. Are they I, none. Drooling no. and, you know. Oh, no, being friendly and like supportive and stuff. I sure. Guess. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, no secret powers. He is a normal. Pizza dog. Dog. And a great dog. Good dog. They're all good dogs. They're all good dogs. All dogs are good I give this dog 14 out of 10. I give the show (laughs) also 14 out of 10. All right, so what did we think of the show overall? So the first two episodes have dropped. Uh, I watched them both today, this morning, uh, for the second time. The first time I saw them was just before I interviewed Jeremy Renner and Hayley Steinfeld and the director, Reese Thomas, who guy directed the first and second episodes, and he's also going to direct the last episode. And I thought it was fun, but I'll be honest... My, I couldn't see much because the screen was was hidden, almost <laughs> almost obliterated. In fact, by my email address going right across <laughs> the middle of the screen, and this, then at the top of the screen, which I thought was a little bit on the nose, uh, it said "Property of Marvel Studios," and I was like, "Come on, guys, I feel, I feel so seen." Property of Marvel Studios, Chris <laughs> yeah, Hewitt. Yeah, property, yeah. Like, I've already got the property of Kevin Feige tattoo <laughs> on my I know, I know. on my uh, shoulder. Genuinely, the different 
streamer's approach to screeners mm -hmm. bothers me enormously. And this is like Disney have just switched to a new platform mm -hmm. with an even more invasive watermark. So yeah. genuinely, you are having to peer past the letters in your name to try and work out what is going on behind it. Yeah, I, I will say... I think they've already taken on feedback, as in people yelling at them, uh, and they've taken it on board. And so I got the get back screeners last night. I've only just started watching it because okay. it's eight hours long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I love me some Beatles, but I also like sleep. Imagine. And, and I have work to do and stuff. So I haven't had a chance. Oh, that's very good. Was that, that, was, that was a half-hearted Beatles <laughs> reference. I, I mean, you were really, you were, yeah. you were scrambling around there. I was a little bit. Yeah. I'm out of my element and Le I know Lennon's it. Lennon's absolute worst song. <laughs> I mean. Hey, whoa. I don't like Come Imagine. On. There are like eight worst songs <laughs> on the Imagine album alone. Anyway, um, what was he saying? Yeah, but they, um, the watermark on the Beatles one is better and less invasive yeah. but you're right I've had other studios I watched a trailer for can I name it fuck it I'll name it <laughs> News of the World I did a trailer breakdown preview with Paul Greengrass uh, and Universal sent me the link for the <laughs> News of the World trailer and I, not a word of a lie I couldn't make out a single thing that was happening <laughs> on the screen because the screen was hidden my, my name diagonally was a, diagonally yes. was across yeah repeatedly yes. yeah, mm. across yeah. every single pixel of the screen I had that for the first 355 trailer and oh. I had to ask them to send me a different version because I literally like I, I could not recognise Sebastian Stan I, I genuinely <laughs> didn't know it was him genuinely could not make out his face and you've got pretty good Sebastian Stan I mean, face I've, I've been training somewhere. on that you know yeah. what I mean but yeah so, so yeah studios look we genuinely we, we do not support piracy we think it is a crime we do not accept it but for the love of God make your make your shows visible I do support piracy and I was trying <laughs> to pirate these videos these, these, these first two episodes and I made it very it. hard <laughs> yeah. made it very very hard indeed uh, let's talk about the eps let's talk about the eps first two eps so this is the first live action show since Loki and I had a ton of fun watching mm. these episodes now I could understand what the hell was going on uh, Jimbo I know that you're a little bit more grinchy a little bit more scroogey about it it is bah. a season of goodwill for all men except Clint Barton as far as you're concerned we'll come to you last Humbug uh, Amon what do you think of this 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 collection of eps I liked it um, more than I was expecting to because as I've discussed with you previously Chris my excitement for this I was in sort of two minds because the trailers look fun they obviously looked like they were taking a lot of inspiration from the Matt Fraction David Arjar mm -hmm. Hawkeye comics run which is fantastic if you have not read that Go and seek that out and do that immediately. They are mm -hmm. fantastic. It has my um, favourite um, single panel in comics history. Which is? Which is the uh, the bit where Hawkeye jumps through the, the window naked and his <laughs> genitals are uh, hidden. His modesty is, is, yeah. is preserved by a, the Hawkeye symbol, the old Hawkeye symbol, <laughs> where he had the purple costume. Yeah. And it's just covering his privates beautifully. I asked Reese Thomas whether we would get, a, uh, whether we'd get this in live action. He says no. So what a there shame. you go. You, you won't get the you won't get tiny tiny Renner flapping around having to be covered by some sort of CG Hawkeye mask. Thank so, goodness. There you go. Boo. I think <laughs> boo. Yeah. I mean, like that was such a half-hearted boo. It was like James's invocation was, of imag imagine. It's like, do I mean this? I'm not sure. It was the boo the moment deserved. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's, it, obviously the trailers look good in that respect. I'm a big fan of Haley Steinfeld, and I think she's going to do a really good job as Kate Bishop, and I think she does, and I'm sure we're going to get more into that. But no. the <laughs> the path that he goes on in Avengers Endgame was not my fave. Um, and it felt like, you know, I was worried that they weren't going to, you know, acknowledge that. I, I, I thought that, you know, 
given the jovial tone of the trailers, that they would just forget about it. And I was happy to see that that was not the case. Mm. Um, and I think the show has a really tricky balance of trying to sort of, you know, give voice to that and to what Clint has mm-hmm. been going through and, and what he's still sort of, you know, suffering from. And then the sort of optimi- optimistic sort of nature of a Kate Bishop, mm-hmm. who is still sort of, you know, very inspired and wants to inspire. And we've only got sort of one episode of them together in episode two, but that dynamic is already working for me in a mm-hmm. big way. Um, and that's like the thing which is working the, the most for me right now. I think some of the other elements, the uh, villain plots haven't really caught fire for me yet. And I really want to see some arrow combat already because that is one of the USPs of the show. And then two episodes in, we've only got four episodes to go. We haven't really seen much of that yet, but I'm hopeful that is coming. Uh, mm-hmm. But on the whole, the first two episodes I, I liked, you know, the second episode especially. Interesting. That sounded suspiciously in there. I don't know whether you guys caught it. It sounded like, mild criticism of Avengers Endgame and Amon <laughs> I have to tell you we don't stand for that around yeah, here we, we, you, did, you did sign the contract <laughs> yeah. come on look the final thing Property I'll say about <laughs> <laughs> the final thing I'll say about Avengers Endgame and Hawkeye is that it is a ridiculous unacceptable waste of Hiroyuki Sanada that's fair in that film and right, I can't yeah. believe it still makes me upset. I'll that, allow that. That's more fair. Yeah, I will that's allow okay. that. Yeah. I, I would say, though, that I think this show addresses one of the major criticisms of that scene and and his arc in Endgame, which is what the fuck is he doing going around the world and fighting people in other countries? This makes it, I think, fairly clear that he already fucked up the entirety <laughs> of organized crime in the United States. They, they were done. They yeah. was, he was yeah. done with that. that. That was taken care of. And then he turned his attentions to the rest of the world. Absolutely. So, so anyway, so I like that. Um, I, I adore the fact that are the major emotional stakes for this. Yes, there's an element of guilt and, and you know, coming to terms with the past and and also atoning for the sins of the past to to be done here by Hawkeye. But the big question is, will he get home in time for Christmas? Which <laughs> yeah. I am super here for. I do not need everything to be a world-ending event. Mm-hmm. All he has to do here is get this girl out of trouble that she has gotten into because of a tie mm-hmm. to something he has done mm-hmm. and then get home for Christmas with his family. And those are both important steaks and I love that today. Oh, I love a, I love a steak at Christmas. <laughs> okay. And also turkey, turducken. Oh, it's all good. I, I Yeah, I worry slightly that this show is going to get a lot more complicated uh, if the rumours are true. And we know they are. <laughs> Florence Pugh is going to show up as Yelena Belova, yeah. uh, threatening to kill Clint for about, what do you reckon, half an episode before they realise they're actually on the same I mean, team? Yep. Uh, if that makes that, no sense. Uh, so there's going to be all sorts of complications in his, in his private life. I hope it doesn't get too dark and too heavy with him. Although you have to think about what he's gone through, which is, you know, he's spending Christmas when we meet him in this ep- in the first ep in particular. You know, he's spending Christmas with his, with his kids. Um, and naturally he has a lot of time to make up for. He spent five years without them. And this mm. is the first time I think that the MCU's really done that aspect. The, you know, it's explored that aspect of it. We've had people who've been blipped who've come back and had to live with, you know, fi- find out what's happened to the, you know, to the world after they were gone. But I don't think mm. we've seen someone who wasn't blipped, who went down a very dark path, who then has to try and fit back into the sort of mm. happy-go-lucky warm and fuzzy family life that he once had and you know there's a, a laconic quality to Clint which I think works really really well in these two episodes um, I prefer that aspect rather than the the ledger gushing with red mm-hmm. approach which I think we might get ultimately but I think the the biggest rectification the biggest atonement in this episode 
um, if we if we're willing to admit that Avengers Endgame doesn't get everything exactly right, uh, is he's grown his hair out? That <laughs> embarrassing haircut hey, is now uh, gone. There's nothing wrong with the Peaky Blinder cut. <laughs> that was. I mean, I'm the not fact even that sure. You're calling it the Peaky Blinder yeah. cut is, is giving a, a lot of credit. A lot of credit. That is uh, that was uh, the Peaky Blindfold cut. I think that Perhaps. was that was like Perhaps. yeah. Just put this on and, and do your best. Yeah. <laughs> and that's you what went full Edwards is a hand. He really <laughs> did. Maybe he uh, he cut his own hair using arrows, <laughs> just, <laughs> taking off a follicle at a time. Uh, speaking of somebody who's had follicles taken off at a time, Jimbo. Well, oh um, here he no. goes. <laughs> <laughs> the James is still Christmas. <laughs> I mean, I have long maintained that Hawkeye is the most redundant Avenger. On he's not. He's having... not. He quit. He wasn't made redundant. <laughs> but also, they've won every single battle that he's fought with him. Despite lost, him being there, yes. And lost every single battle with him. So you're him. saying he's the mascot, really, is he, what he is. He, he just is can't the Avengers mascot. I'm just yeah. saying, if, if you want to win, you need him on your team. So he ain't I redundant. Mean, do you though? Apparently so. Exactly? The statistics are pretty compelling yeah. man with bow and arrow it's like Harley yes. Quinn in Suicide Squad she owns a baseball bat get her on the team <laughs> and it's like Clint he's got a bow brilliant well done well apparently it is brilliant isn't it it's Christmas you know. you I want liked a bow. him actually as Ronin because then at least he felt like a proper badass you in, in I, I very much enjoyed that when so. you stand nothing what is happening Ronin ah I see <laughs> <laughs> Life's a roller coaster, James. Oh, God. In this case, I am the accuser. Um, now, let's uh, let's get back to Hawkeye. So, so I found this to be good but slight, which I think is kind of what they're going for. Yeah. As Helen said, like the stakes are so low, they're practically subterranean. Uh, it's just, will he get home for Christmas? That is essentially the stakes of the show. And I like that about it, and I like the Christmasness of it. The Christmasness. 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 Christmasiness. Yes. The Christmasiness. The festive cheer of it. I enjoyed that. It gives it a kind of warm, fuzzy glow. And also... Hayley Steinfeld gives it an even warmer fuzzy glow because mm. she is so effortlessly charming and she's a delight whenever she's on screen. She's funny, she's likeable. I think she is definitely the MVP here and I think mm. his laconic straight man thing works brilliantly with her kind of bubbling fangirl mm -hmm. energy that she has. Mm -hmm. And they're so much fun. So I like that of it. My issue slightly is I feel that the dialogue maybe wasn't punching as hard as it could have done. Like, I wanted a little bit more, because obviously this this brings to mind the Shane Blackiness vibe. I mean, it's Christmas, mm -hmm. it's buddy comedy, you know, it's that kind of stuff. I just felt like some of the lines didn't have the bite that I wanted. I felt with a few better zingers, maybe there are zingers to come, maybe they will be wall-to-wall -wall packed with them in the remaining four episodes, I don't know. But just going by these first two, I felt like it didn't land as strongly as it could have done. And I was left wanting more. There's a couple of lines which I really liked. The yeah. the all surprises are unexpected was very much yes. um, all words are made up, that kind yes. of energy. Yeah. And I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, I, I liked that. Um, yeah. I didn't write down any of the singers, but I, I chuckled constantly, mm. especially when Kate and Clint were together and they were mm. kind of busting each other's um, literal and figurative walls. Mm. Uh, yeah. But there's, the, there's also there's the, the tracksuit mafia thing doesn't sit right with me. And I know they're from what? the comics, I know they're establishing, but tonally, it exists in that slightly heightened stupid area where it's just stupid. That's and, what they're going for. Yeah, no, and that's <laughs> fine, but this exists in the same world as the broader MCU and the mm. stupidity of it doesn't sit as well with me. Like, it just, mm. it just, it just bothers me just a Bro. tiny little bit. Bro. Um, I'm just saying. Wow, I'm, I'm quite mafia. enjoying them. So not yeah, not here too. for the tracksuit yeah. mafia. No, oh, I take my shit very seriously. <laughs> So, uh, for want of a structure, because I haven't written anything down, 
I usually have time to do recaps. I was literally watching. We were in Wagamama having lunch before. That's true. I was mm-hmm. Finishing the episode <laughs> while you guys, while uh, I'm almost eating. What was it? A chicken yakitori? Looked yes, very nice. It was very uh, nice. Yes, very nice. We should have had pizza and been on brand. Yes, yes. Other restaurants are available. So let's start at the beginning. So let's start because the, the episode, the first episode starts with Kate Bishop and we get a, it's pretty much 10 minutes of unadulterated Kate Bishop mm-hmm. uh, we before we meet Clint, uh, which is interesting. Show is called Hawkeye, of course. He is Hawkeye, but it doesn't so take... So is she, perhaps. Yeah, she will be. She will be. It doesn't take uh, a yeah. psychic to predict that she's going to end the season uh, called Hawkeye as well. I, I love that opening scene. It was really, really cool to be back in 2012 again and to see the Battle of New York from a human perspective mm-hmm. and also to, you know, see the reason why Kate is so driven to protect people. I think I think all of that worked really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was really, really cool. Uh, she's clearly comes from a very rich family. Mm-hmm. Uh, that shot of, of Clint diving off the building backwards, which has long mm-hmm. been one of my favorite shots uh, in the MCU, Clint gets a lot of uh, a lot of shit. James. We'll talk. We'll talk about him we'll, <laughs> on account of being shit. <laughs> yes. He's not shit. He's absolutely He's not, not shit. Not. Uh, we'll talk about Clint in, in detail in a second. But let's focus mm. on Kate for this for the time being. So Clint dives off the the, the roof backwards. Uh, Captain would be my genuine pleasure. It comes later on. One of my favorite lines in the MCU. Yeah, go Clint. Go Clint. Go Clint. We'll talk about Clint later. Uh, let's talk about Kate right now. But yeah, that that scene was was I thought well handled by by Reese Thomas. It was uh, it was. Uh, very, very interesting in the way it roots her hero worship of him. It gives, mm-hmm. it gives mm-hmm. her something to, it gives us something to hold on to. Like, why would this person mm-hmm. choose to run around with a bow and arrow? Yeah, uh, because she she worships Hawkeye. But I also, there's a lot going on in that scene as well. What happens to Brian Darcy James? Why would you hire Brian Darcy <laughs> James for just one scene and then uh, dye his hair and beard and then kill him off? Hmm. Do we think we may see Brian Darcy James again? What? What? <laughs> what? What do we think happened there? What do we think happened with the uh, the bishops? The bishops. Bishop? Not me, man. Sorry. Okay. Not everything is about aliens. I mean, <laughs> you say that, Helen. Yeah. We did a ranking the other day. It didn't even win. What did you rank? Well, Tom Cruise movies, but that's not the uh, point. Yeah. James would have James had the number one. Yes, on aliens is the best Tom Cruise movie because he has seen Aliens. Probably, therefore, it is the best. Uh, yes. So, what do you think is going on with the bishops? I think Verf Amiga. There's something. She's up to something. We don't know. I mean, actually, you said that. I I wrote down because I was watching it with subtitles, and there's that scene where uh, Kate is listening in uh, mm. to her conversation with. Armand the third of seven um, in the at the party, and I should have known that this empire of yours would be built on a lie. That's Armand. <gasps> uh, I put this by myself from the ground up. So whatever you think you saw is not true. <gasps> uh, Armand, don't insult my intelligence. And then Armand again, don't you try that on me? I gave you an opportunity to explain yourself. I got powerful friends too, the kind <gasps> you don't want to mess with. And then he turns up dead. Um, no. So what? they're being very patient with that reveal, obviously, but she's clearly up to no good. Or the, well, I mean, and, and her wardrobe is very villain-esque. It's very beautiful, but it's very, she's dressing like a villain already, so. Oh, she's dodgy as hell. Yeah. There's, there's clearly, clearly something that's gone on there. And, uh, I, you know, the, the, the show is desperately trying to make you think that it was uh, Tony Dalton's yeah. Jack who mm. has bumped off yeah. Armand, but. Yeah. Um, he's very openly smug. Yes, well, he's very, open. we'll, we'll, we'll mm. talk about him. But uh, mm. I would suspect if I were a betting podcast host, and I'm not, <laughs> if I were, I would be down William Hill 
Orlan mm-hmm. Brooks mm-hmm. putting 10 quid on Fiera Farmiga, uh, his, her Eleanor Bishop being well dodgy and having something to do with a disappearance, not necessarily death of mm-hmm. her husband. She said they're clearly having money troubles at the mm-hmm. beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. They're having an argument about selling the penthouse. Mm-hmm. She says something along the lines of a solution isn't simply going to fall from the sky and then, and then it does. things start falling from the sky. Wow. I do wonder, are we in Michael Keaton as Fulger territory here a little bit? Were there capitalizing and they're profiting off Chitari weaponry and, thing, it, and things like I that. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. but it may not even be that. It may just be the fact that by, let's say, faking his death, I'm, you know, I don't mm. know exactly what's going on there at the moment, but let's say that, that they get a massive insurance <gasps> payout or they mm. get, um, you know, that some of their money trouble was specifically personally related to him and not the yes. family or something. I think that's exactly what's happened. Yeah. They have been opportunistic and they see something's happening here exactly. and they go, perfect opportunity, Boom. right? Okay, you are now dead. Yeah. You die in this explosion. Oh no, boo-hoo, my husband's gone. <laughs> but of course you're not because you're going to turn up later on, but without the dyed beard yeah. and the hair and the whatnot. It's, it's a really horrific thing to do to your daughter. So mm. it does make them both really, yes. really bad parents. Especially what after you know, the last lines to his daughter, you know, mm. what you do in her game, I'll protect you. To, do, to then do that. Well, he might think that this is, you know, he's taken the, the helicopter view. He might think that this <laughs> is his way of protecting his daughter. Nope. Maybe. Hard disagree. I mean, they, they're clearly not in financial problems by the time we meet them again, because mm-hmm. her mother is able to shrug off the hundred thousand mm. dollars worth of damage mm. to did you notice it's called Stain Tower? Yes, in the school in memory of Obadiah Stain. Yeah, mm. presumably. <laughs> yeah, who, who lest we forget, his his name remains unbesmirched, doesn't it? At the end of Iron Man, because they've they've there's a cover story for how he dies. Is this is true. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So he gets a, a clock tower dedicated to him, which is no more. I'm assuming that he already endowed that. Save before. the clock tower. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a bit late for that. I did. I would. I. I. I feel that that building was structurally unsound and ringing a bell should not bring it out. She should not be liable for the full expense of rebuilding it. Absolutely. I, I would agree. As your lawyer, I would agree. <laughs> I, I need to, you know, go and double check other opening credits, but the opening credits for episode one as they age uh, Kate Bishop mm-hmm. up and we see her exploits and she, that was brilliantly really well. done. Yeah, really um, good storytelling, wasn't yeah. it? Because you see her, you know, first essentially getting knocked down and then Getting up again, they're like never going to keep her down. <laughs> yes, that was a joke I was building. <laughs> hey, I'm being the joke traveller. We've had a complete role reversal. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Continue, back to your top thumping. Mm. He's no, like a no, dog I'm chasing punchlines. He wouldn't know what to do if he got one. <laughs> Blimey, O'Reilly. Um, yeah, I have another uh, Eleanor Bishop theory, uh, apart from the fact that she's clearly killed Simon. Mm. I was going to say Cowell, but <laughs> what she might have done, we don't know. Simon Callow. Um, they really missed a trick of not having a funeral scene for him where someone goes, stop all the clocks. Oh, <laughs> too soon. Give the one-eyed dog a juicy bone. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, so I think she's uh, up to her neck in some sort of dodgy goings-on. Um, mm-hmm. I think she knows more. She may not have killed Armand III, but she certainly, I think, knows who did mm-hmm. I think her husband may still be alive I also think she is behind the tracksuit mafia uh, gay crash in the the auction the auction mm-hmm. the, fa- the, the yeah. illegal auction of course mm-hmm. that was happening at the same time as her event mm. yes so. it's really sort of smart to you know bring her back into the MC or bring her into the MC in this way because in the comics she's dead mm. um, so they can do sort of anything they want with that obviously they're not being sort of as uh, good as I would have wanted them to be in terms of hiding her intentions. But I'm intrigued to see uh, where she I mean, look, maybe we're all wrong and maybe this is all a massive fake eye and and her (laughs) husband is behind it all. 
But um, that would be too. If, it might if, be if that is the case, that would be. I'll be disappointed. That'd be, a be lot too of obvious. It'd be so mm. much bluffing. Yeah. Um, although, if it is her auction, then why would she need to steal the watch? And what I is the watch? Yeah, I've been wondering. I've got it right now. What's it the deal with this starchy, watch? But you know, beyond that, I don't know. We'll find out. Maybe it is the physical manifestation of Miss Minutes. <laughs> Good call, James. <laughs> yep, okay. that's it. That's it. That's what it is. Um, but it's interesting you say there that you know they, they have already changed that from the comic book mm-hmm. uh, and the bishop because I suspect they've changed. Well, they they have changed a lot. Yeah, uh, I was intrigued by this show going into it because we knew that they were perhaps more than anything else in the MCU up until now that they were heavily inspired by that Mad Fraction mm-hmm. and David Adger run which is a fantastic run if you haven't read it it's mm-hmm. great but it's clearly not you could tell by the other characters who have been brought into it that it wasn't going to be a straight up adaptation because as we've discussed many times on these podcasts that's not what they do in the MCU otherwise that would be redundant mm-hmm. they like to take inspiration from stuff and clearly this is already deviating and diverging wildly from the source material uh, in which essentially Clint becomes the owner of a tenement building or the, the protector of a tenement building which mm. is being besieged by the Traxxit Mafia and he teams up with Kate Bishop and Lucky the Pizza Dog and unless I've completely mis- mis- misremembered it there's no uh, Echo uh, who's the character we see showing up at the end of episode 2 mm-hmm. there, there's certainly no Yelena Belova who will show up at some point in this mm-hmm. uh, and you know of course there's different aspects as well so there, there, this is a, a wildly different thing already and that we have Kate Bishop living in an apartment building but by the end of episode 1 that's on fire <laughs> and it's not that story so they're, they're, they're in uncharted territory Jimbo yeah. have you read that, that? I have not read it no. it's really good you're missing out check it out check it out I will it mm-hmm. is on my, my long comics reading list so mm-hmm. I haven't yeah. got to it yet but that's good because it unsettles us all. So we're not, you know, we're not, they've taken all the great elements from that, I would say. The yeah, Traxxit yeah. Mafia, mm-hmm. the Pizza Dog, mm-hmm. Kate Bishop and Clint, their their banter, their chemistry, mm-hmm. but they're forging a new path. And that's what they do, generally yeah. speaking. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's a good thing. But also, it's also good to get rid of the dead mother trope, which is which is tired and, and old. And whether they have, in fact, killed Brian Darcy James and have just flipped it to, you know, suspicious mother instead of suspicious father, even that is a slight, you know, change up uh, mm-hmm. on what we've had before. But if they have two suspicious parents, that's really fun also. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I've just thought about another really cool line. There's some really great lines in, in this show. Um, as, uh, I, I read a book about being a stepdad. Money well spent. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good lines all the way through here. What I like to think about? in that case that the delivery outstrips the dialogue there. I think that's uh, that's pure Steinfeld charm. But yeah, no, there are there are some okayish. There are some oh, good lines. There are some good lines. What I go. was looking for, Success. what I was looking for, is great lines. <laughs> we got them. But again, it's not. I feel like if you're going to play in Shane Black's backyard, then you need to up your fucking game. You just do. I, like, it's not he like, owns Christmas, yeah. Helen. He owns oh Christmas. My God. But I did, I did love lines like uh, when he when he's at the LARPing, he's like, "I'm trying not to cause a scene here out of respect for whatever this is, like yeah, stuff yeah. like that." And you know, the, and well, I like the little, "I fought Thanos." Uh, goes, <laughs> and the the LARP moment was, yeah. I mean, nonsense, but lovely nonsense. Can I just uh, can I just ask uh, you know, raise a pedant's hand here for a second and and take Clint to task on that mm. because technically. You didn't fight Thanos, did you? You were in the area while other people fought. I mean, that's the story of his life, isn't it? He took down some outriders. I mean, that's not the same thing, is it? I watched people fight Thanos, maybe wouldn't have landed in quite the same way. (laughs) I I, I was very much here for that. My my big issue with the LARPing thing, apart from like it was... That's not how you LARP. I am a LARPer. It was was too long and and a little bit too stupid for me, but... um, (laughs) 
the the major issue was it appears to be a weekday. What the fuck are they doing LARPing on? Yeah, who LARPs weekday? on a weekday? Come on. <laughs> yeah. It did, I did say they were all cops and, and firemen, so maybe it's a mm. shift Yeah, because they don't thing. have day jobs. Um, well, but like, it's just shift work. Oh, they, I they see. They might be you know, working weekends off midweek, okay. but it was still odd to me. When I was at university, whenever you went on campus on the weekend, there would be LARPers running around the campus. Wow. So if you ever went to the student union to try and get a pasty of a Sunday, there's an <laughs> outside chance that an orc would come at you with like a cardboard axe. Huh. Like, <laughs> genuinely, this was the thing. Where did you go to school? <laughs> Rivendell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lothlorien High. Funny enough, the Vampire Society used to meet at my college. The so what? Yeah, so occasionally you'd be like standing around in the lodge and then some blokes in like puffy shirts and cloaks would just walk past you. Wow. Hang on, were they invited? Uh, well, it wasn't, I guess the lodge wouldn't technically be a residence. I think you would What's have a to lodge? invite them into your... Like um, entryway to the college. I mean, was there a lot of sort of Venn diagram wise? Was there a lot of crossover between the Vampire Society and Babsock? Or I, I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't spend enough time. Sure, <laughs> sure. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> oh dear, there it is. Illuminating, illuminated insight. Illuminati. Yeah, yes, illuminatiing. Mm. Although oh, none right. of them are actually in this this show so far, of course. Not yet. Well, you say that, you say that, uh, but you, you never know. Uh, Reed Richards uh, confirmed. Yes, yes. Oh my God, I forgot about that Illuminati. I thought you were talking about the, the guys who run the planet uh, in, in, in real life. So let's talk, I want to talk about Clint in a second, mm-hmm. but uh, I also want to talk about uh, Jacques Duquesne, played by Tony Dalton. Now, am I the only person here still who watches Better Call Saul? Yep. Yes. Okay. yes. You're all idiots and you're missing out. Uh, so Tony Dalton has um, really made a huge impact on Better Call Saul over the last two seasons when he was brought in as Lalo Salamanca, who is a (laughs) (laughs) deeply charismatic, frankly deranged uh, member of the Salamanca crime family. Uh, And he has rapidly become one of the best things about that show, a breakout star of that show. Clearly, as a result of Better Call Saul, he has been called up, not to the big leagues, obviously, because Better Call Saul is amazing, but he's been called up to the MCU to play Jacques Duquesne, who, of course, in the comic books, folks, <laughs> is the swordsman. Now, I wonder if you can spot subtle references to that. <laughs> Threaded all the way through the first two episodes. Uh, now, the swordsman, Jacques Duquesne, mm. has a very interesting history with Clint Barton uh, in that he, is a, he has been a mentor figure. He's been a bad guy, but also a good guy. Uh, but he's been a mentor figure to Clint in the comic books. And I wonder if that's going to play in in this show as well. I wonder if there's a reason why we haven't so far seen Shaq or Jack as he is in this. He's Shaq in the comics, Jack in mm. this. And uh, we haven't seen Clint and Jack in the same scene. And I wonder if we're going to see that and then suddenly it all falls into well, like place. Like they'll recognize each other. Yes. Mm. And he'll go, it's my mentor who is somehow <laughs> the same age as me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't see it maybe being exactly that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I enjoy that they have that history. I enjoy that. I, I got the sense already that they are playing with us. Mm. Uh, with him a little bit like he's got so many arrows pointing at him going bad guy bad he guy really does, that you know that immediately sets your marvel hackles a, a little bit on edge uh, that was a mixed metaphor you know what i mean it was upsetting <laughs> <laughs> um, but i but i tell you what i really really loved um the scene where she challenges him to a duel and can mm. tell that he's letting her win yeah. i i just and, and how frustrated that makes her and how mm-hmm. incredibly patronized she feels by that yeah. mm-hmm. i just thought that was such a good character beat for her character mm-hmm. beat for him super super scene loved mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. so you think what, what do you think of him then ultimately good bad bit of both 
Definitely a bad guy. I'm still trying to figure out whether he's working with Eleanor or she's or, or, or he's unaware of what she's doing. But definitely a bad guy. That's the final case. What if he's working to bring her down? <gasps> I can't see him. What if he's a patsy and she's working him? Ooh. No one with that dreadful moustache can be a good guy. I'm sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. 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 Awful. You can't come Awful. in here in November of all months <laughs> and have a go at Tony Dalton's incredible face furniture. I mean, How dare you? It's just, I couldn't take my eyes off it. it was That's because it it's amazing. It was captivating. Not in a good way. It was, it was, it was, yeah. You want to luxuriate in it. You want to dive into it and swim around for a little bit. You, you could. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, but you could. All right. Okay. Well, I think he's. I think he's uh, a lot of fun. Uh, and once he settles on an accent, it'll be even more fun. <laughs> I genuinely don't know. Like, is he meant yeah, to be English at, point, at some points? Is he posh no, American? I think, he's, I think he's maybe like, let's say, Mexican American went to school in England, so he's like, he's rich man. <laughs> okay. That's he's just got a rich, incredibly accent. specific. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. But then you know, my accent's all over the place. Yeah, mine too. So, yeah. You know. What was that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we talked about Kate enough. We talked about her and then we got sidetracked because okay. that's yeah. what we do. Mm. So uh, Hayley Steinfeld is fantastic in this. Yes. And there's a reason, you know, the first 10 minutes of the show, she pretty much carries the entire first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it only really becomes a clinch show in the second episode. And even then, she's we're, we're, she's the one who's driving the story at the moment. Yeah. She's the one who's driving the plot. And they're clearly setting her up as a, as a big noise. And I was watching the... Uh, the first, the first episode, and she's so at ease already with this character mm-hmm. uh, that I was thinking, oh man, I can't wait to see her on the big screen. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, this is all fine stuff, but like you know, yeah, in the, pro- Young the proper stuff, yeah. the proper yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Her apartment's rubbish for someone with that much money. I'm just, just no, I'm but just I think that's, I think that's an element of maybe. Okay, first of all, like it still costs more than any of us. Of for course, of course, okay, that so goes let, without let's saying. Let's just stipulate that, even if you are over Herman's hearty <laughs> slice. Um, but, but also, I think it's maybe a little bit of a sign of her independence that she has maybe not gone to the top of her budget, that she has tried to set herself up kind of independently. Um, and also that, you know, that her, her focus was getting a place with a long enough area to shoot arrows at that target and not mm. a place that was fancy and, and uptown like her parents yeah yeah no i i like uh, a lot of what she's doing i think when, when it comes to fangirling there's a fine line between cute and cheesy and this stays on the right side mm. of that mm. that that scene where hawkeye comes <laughs> where clint uh comes to the apartment she's like you know sign my bow and stuff like that, that. was, it was, it was yeah. really really great mm-hmm. and I like I like all those little beats yeah and just like when she calls him and then calls him again straight <laughs> afterwards just little moments like that where she's just unashamedly yeah yeah and 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 also the um the whole you know talking about his brand Loki is a very hard yeah. brand to sell Loki not yeah. Loki um, <laughs> and uh, and that whole the conversation that shows she's given this way too much thought like yeah. way too much but I I love that contrast between them you know you got Clint who you know, the multiple indicators that if if he ever bought into the whole hero thing, he is completely out of it now. When his reaction to uh, Roger's musical, which we have not talked about enough yet, um, <laughs> oh, <at> all. <laughs> is very, very telling. Um, and I really like that as like a reintroduction to Clint. That's the first time we see him on the show. And there's no pride or joy in, you know, the Avengers and what have you. He's very just, just sad about uh, Natasha being dead. And he's sort of very, you know, over the hill thing. He doesn't care that it's inspiring people or anything like that. And the contrast between that and Kate, who was very much inspired by him and is trying to sort of, you know, get him into that optimistic mindset again. I think it's just really, really great. I don't think it's necessarily that he doesn't think people should be inspired by it or anything like that, or, or mm. even that he's ashamed of it or anything. I, I just think it's incredible 
it is an absolutely at odds with everything he has made his entire life about to be a celebrity. Mm. Um, he is he is very 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 uncomfortable with being thanked, with being given free food, with all of this stuff that people keep doing to him. Mm-hmm. That's think, a different thing from being ashamed or being angry or being upset about anything. Do you think part of the reason for that is because of his time as Vernon? I think because, partly, yeah. I think absolutely that yeah, that sort of guilt yeah. and that feeling that he has kind of detracts from his. his mm-hmm. He's literally yeah. not worth it. Yeah, like, he, he doesn't he deserve yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that moment yeah. was really interesting to me in contrast with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Because there's a scene early on in the first episode of that show where Sam is thanked, mm-hmm. and you can tell like you think he speaks Arabic and replying like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, "Thank you, glad to help." That sort of thing. And contrast that with what happens when when, when Clint is thanked. Yeah, but, but there's also a, a massive contrast in personality yeah, there as well. So yeah. so I feel like, the, you know, Sam is, is very easygoing. He's very much a people person. Mm-hmm. Clint has never been that guy. He's the guy who sits in the corner and makes sardonic comments about everybody else. He likes mm-hmm. everybody else, but he is absolutely yeah. an introvert. Mm-hmm. And so the... Yeah, and his entire, you know, his entire job, all of his skills are based around being anonymous. Like the mm-hmm. way he infiltrates her flat and goes through the you know, just picks up a fireman's mm-hmm. outfit and just goes <laughs> yeah. in and nobody notices him. And that mm-hmm. you can tell that's what he's good at. That's what he's mm-hmm. comfortable with. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is what is being threatened by all of this noise around mm-hmm. who he is. So I think there's a, there is, yeah, there is absolutely guilt going on. There is absolutely, you know, complicated emotions when he sees Natasha, 100%, like mm-hmm. that's all definitely there. Um, there's massive contact embarrassment from that stage show. I felt <laughs> it, for God's sake, and I wasn't an Avenger. Um, but but I think a lot of it is simply this is just not he's not mm. that guy. Speaking of Natasha, I love the um, catch and release one of one of Nat's favorites. Yeah. I think that's a really really nice touch. I like that. I also love that that conversation shows he, his wife knows everything. Yep. They have talked about everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. She knows exactly what's going on. It is a solid good relationship. Mm-hmm. And so when he I think at the end of this series retires home, you're like I don't need to worry about Clint. He's got a super good marriage. He loves his mm-hmm. kids. He'll mm-hmm. be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she clearly knows about Ronan, yeah. but his yeah. time as Ronan because yeah. uh, he's told her everything. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on here with with Clint, um, and perhaps now will be a good time to talk about Clint mm-hmm. in, in greater detail. The episode, uh, the first episode in particular, is called "Never Meet Your Heroes," and mm-hmm. you have this idea. Although it's explored more in episode two, which is when Kate and Clint really properly meet and start hanging out you get this idea that, you know, Kate has built Clint up to be something that he's not in mm. her mind and she gets to see him close up and she gets to see what kind of guy he is, which is just a no-nonsense, ordinary guy, essentially, mm. who just happens to be the world's best archer or perhaps joint best archer or perhaps <laughs> second best archer. Who Whoa. knows? We'll, we'll, we'll find out in due course, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, and so there is an element of that, a little bit of, of disappointment for her, but she'll plug into his rhythms, I think, as the show mm-hmm. goes along. I love that we've bought the hearing aid element of Clint mm-hmm. from the comics into the show. I would have liked to have seen that happen in real time on screen. Yeah, it should have um, yeah. But I really like uh, that, what, what that adds to the character. And with Echo coming uh, later on as well, mm-hmm. those fight scenes should be interesting because of the adjustments that they both have to make and will have to make. And then the, the whole Echo thing is interesting because the whole Daredevil Kingpin connection as well, which I'm very excited Sorry, for. Sorry, just to be clear, because uh, yeah. people who don't know, Echo is yeah. also deaf. Yes. Sorry. Um, Probably yeah. said that. <laughs> I mean, just, no, just for yeah. anybody who hasn't come across her yet, but mm-hmm. that's who we see at the very end of episode two. Yeah. But well, yeah, I, I also love that, um, you know, when she asks him, like, how he became deaf, because he lost his hearing, obviously, he's yeah. like too hard to tell, yeah. and it just shows that montage yeah. of all yeah. things. Yeah. All things blowing up next yeah. to his head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, they should all have hearing aids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they you know, should, yeah. Every single Absolutely. one of them. With the exception, perhaps, of, of Banner, uh, mm. but yeah, it's it it is interesting. There is one of the uh, one of the great issues in the Hawkeye run that we've talked about a, a number of times 
is a completely silent issue, mm. um, which was part of a larger Marvel month where the challenge was to come up with creatives. Can you tell a story without dialogue? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of the most ingenious ones mm -hmm. where we see the the action almost entirely from the viewpoint of of Lucky, <laughs> the pizza dog, <laughs> uh, who interprets yeah. everything in terms of smells and sounds. And so yeah. it's it's a really beautiful thing. And I wonder if we're going to get something close to that. I, hope so. I don't think exactly like that. Yeah. And I wonder how annoyed they were when they saw that Only Murders in the Building also did a very similar episode mm. uh, <laughs> a few months ago. Yeah. That's issue 11 if you're seeking that particular yeah. one out. Very good. Um, but yeah, I think I think that'll be that'll be fun. I also like that we saw a little bit of signing from his son. Yeah, that was good. Nat's le learning to sign to him and vice versa. I yes. that was cute. And yeah, the, in terms of their relationship, I'm loving that. You know, she may be disappointed by him in the flesh, but she is re she rebounds from that pretty much immediately mm -hmm. into that mm -hmm. kind of banter that they have. That great bit about since when did your heart shrink three sizes? Yeah. And he replies, <laughs> since a little girl in a ninja costume stole my Christmas. Like just <laughs> stuff like that is just. Yeah. Fun. He's world weary, but he's still. I'll show black to... level, James. No, obviously, yeah. no. well, yeah. obviously but it's fine. It's, like, it's, it's possible. Okay. It's serviceable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like no. the predator, Shane Black. Maybe we're we're talking <laughs> latter day. Maybe yeah. this level. Yeah. <laughs> One more uh, interesting thing about Echo. Uh, she has a Taskmaster esque ability to mimic people, and I think that may be the reason why in Black Widow they have the whole Taskmaster element be with their helmet as opposed to just sight, because mm. they're saving that for her. Which is interesting. So, what do you think, uh, Yelena will will come and see Echo rather than? And she'll be like, again? Oh my god! <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Echo has uh, already been a spin off. There's been a Echo yeah. spin off yep. that has been announced. So mm -hmm. she's going to do the heel face switch. Mm -hmm. Presumably, that's safe yeah. To say. yeah. So, who is the bad guy in this show? Because we know Yelena is not going to be the bad guy if and when she shows up. Uh, we know it's not going to be Echo. It's going to be so. Jack's moustache. Jack's <laughs> moustache. Looking more and more like Mummy Dearest, isn't it? It, it, mm -hmm. it really, it really, really does. Um, all right. Clint. Mm. Clint. Clint Barton. I have one, one of my theories about why he is perhaps not as well regarded as the other Avengers is simply down to screen time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he's only been in five movies then in the MCU. Uh, and I feel, yeah, so he was in that very early appearance in Thor. He's in three of the four Avengers movies, and he's not even in Infinity War at all. Uh, and he's in Civil War also. But in the first Avengers, he's not even Clint for most of it. He's possessed almost right at the beginning and doesn't really become Clint until near the end. So I, I think that the audience has had a hard time kind of connecting with Clint, even getting to know who he is. Um, I think a standout movie is Age of Ultron. I've enjoyed him in, in all the other ones. I think Endgame, he's affected by everything, all the red is in his ledger. But... I think there's a, a lack of familiarity with him, and it's all it's it's maybe sometimes a little bit easy to to poke fun at him as yeah. the one that nobody likes, mm. which the show himself. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, had, he had that Hawkeye song, <laughs> <laughs> and he and he does have the sort of um, I would say the the least well thought out costume and in the show uh, that we see here in the in the. Broadway show, I mean. Yeah. It's like some dude in a t-shirt. Like, it's like an afterthought. I mean, come mm -hmm. on, guys. It's like Hawkeye was an afterthought. Yeah. They've even they've squeezed Ant-Man into the Rogers the Musical. <laughs> he wasn't even there. Yeah, at the expense of Clint. Uh, Jimbo, as someone who is anti-Clint uh, and, and is in fact himself a massive Clint. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what's your beef? What's your beef for Clint? What's I, uh, your Barton beef? It's, my Barton beef is, is genuinely 
a, one, a pedantic one. It's just like, what, what is his point? Like, what is the point of him? What, what is his point? That's that's kind of what strikes me with with Barton. Like, I've never understood his presence in the Avengers. He feels like a fucking liability. But as I said, I enjoyed. Like, he got new respect for me in Endgame with the whole Ronin thing that I'm on like so much. Like, I was like, okay, okay, because because then I was like, okay, you are a badass, but you've hidden up until this point. That is he's nice. I love like until you. this point. Oh look, he's got a bow and arrow. Woohoo! But the fact is that he's a ninja what with a sword, and I respect about? that. Literally, his very first proper appearance, not. Thor, mm. his very first proper appearance is him spotting stuff that Nick Fury missed. Mm. Okay, but isn't he like the whole reason that Avengers, the film, like everything in it goes sideways because he's like, you know, evil Clint. Yeah, but also he's really good at being effective yeah. as a weapon I'm, for I'm, Loki. I'm still not like, feeling it. As soon the as you make, with one shot. With it's one like shot. when Yelena makes that sort of ibuprofen gag to Natasha in, in Black Widow and you're like, yeah, but she's not Hawkeye, is she? I mean, come on. Um, you and but, I remember Clint Barton very differently. Yes, <laughs> clearly we do. Clearly we do. But like I say, like he's grown on me post-Endgame. Uh, and, and, like a and wart. Much like that, yes. <laughs> but like I like him in this and I think he works because I think, as we've already said, because I think his dynamic just works perfectly with Kate's dynamic. I think they're a brilliant mm. sort of double act in that way. I think they have they have very complementary energies. So, so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying him and I'm enjoying the, you know, calling his wife and like coming home for Christmas. Mm. I think actually that character's kind of like the straightness of that character works very, very well in this, yeah. this scenario. I think they've constructed this narrative very, very well using that character and indeed Renner's strength. Yeah. What did you think of Hawkeye in Avengers Age of Ultron? Because that movie was huge for him in so many ways. Go on then. What, 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 are, you, what are you thinking of? Well, just in terms of knowing more about the character, what his role is on the team, how you know, how how important that is to not only him, but I mean, his family. And I'm not saying we'd have all been better off if Quicks, Quicksilver had lived oh and he'd taken God. the bullets. Wow. But we really would. No, so we no, we wouldn't. Quicksilver would be an asset to the team. The man is super fast. Think about Hawkeye and Wanda and the connection that starts in that film and continues on to Civil War. Yeah. That's one of the many, many great things about Hawkeye yeah. in that. And I tweeted about this uh, the other day, but there's a really cool beat uh, in that film. Tony, you know, shooting darts and then Clint just completely off screen, two darts fly in and hit the bullseye. Mm -hmm. Tony's like, what? And Clint is like, yeah. <laughs> just, <He's> like, yeah. <laughs> just me I mean, doing what I do. Clint makes an outrageous claim in Civil War. Uh, which is that that idea that he goes under a golf course and played eighteen, <laughs> shot eighteen, which is yeah. just so. Hang on, you're telling me that? So what? Your your skills with a bow extend to your skills so, with a ball? Yeah. He's now so, bullseye. Is what we're saying. Yeah. He's and basically bullseye. Though. Every golf course, every hole on a golf course, you can get a hole in well, one. Look, it's probably his local golf course. Like he probably didn't. <laughs> it's crazy that. golf. It's crazy it's golf. It's crazy golf. Yeah. I don't think it's crazy. It's golf. definitely. He's golf. a line prick. Yeah, he knocked wow. it through the windmill. It came out the other side and it went in the hole. But basically, he could become the world darts champion, right? Oh, yeah. If he, oh, so those skills yeah. he shows off in Age of Ultron. Okay. A lofty goal there. Again, he doesn't, like, he doesn't want to be mm. the world's anything. Yeah. He just, he, he has chosen deliberately to live on an isolated farm with his family yeah. when he's not at work. Mm. But he's got a dartboard. The yeah. work he chose is being a, an undercover agent like this mm. is a guy who does not want your attention mm. I feel like yeah. that's pretty clear speaking and he works at a distance and he mm. works at a yeah. distance well. you know. speaking of which we're two episodes in and despite ample opportunity Clint has still not touched the bow and um, I think deliberately so yeah, yeah. deliberately yeah. so because he's it, forgotten <laughs> yeah. but also we have seen him like throw things well like the, the yeah you know, I love the, that moment the, the bits with <laughs> the Molotov cocktails was, was super good yeah. mm. um, I also think his relationship with his kids is really good here I, I enjoy the yes. um, like the when he's, he was packing them off into the car and he's like, Cooper's in charge and his daughter's mm. going what and, she, and he's like mm. you're in charge you've always been in charge of yeah. course you're in charge like yeah. it's 
Thank yeah, you. don't. Uh, what are the three most important words? Don't lose Nate. Where's Nate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little Nate is over there. Mm. I, I like Renner a lot in this role, and I think had we had more of him, we'd be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people generally would be would feel more disposed towards the character. There was talk, for example, at one point of having him in Iron Man three. Uh, mm. I think they'd even they'd, they'd even designed in. a sequence yeah. where, where he, he would have got Shane Black dialogue, where he would have had Shane Black dialogue. Um, and uh, you know, I'm sure they've looked at other things over the years. I'm sure they were trying at one point to get him to Black Widow. Uh, also, mm. I see. I enjoy his his relationship with Nat. I did. I always mm. enjoyed that. I thought he enriched her as a character, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I care less about him. But uh, I like what he did for her as a character. <laughs> he is you know go back to Age of Ultron he is the heart of that movie yep. in many ways and that's a deliberate thing that Joss Whedon wanted to do yeah mm-hmm. he, he was the bait and switch wasn't he they set yeah. him up to die that and then funny. killed Quicksilver no but it, that was funny but it, it wasn't just that it was just he was the, the he was the person that we could connect to he is the relatable guy mm-hmm. in the Avengers yeah, yeah. But this, and the thing is, I and I, I enjoy his arc across Infinity War and and more specifically Endgame. I like that arc. I like the fact that but he the loses arc where he's his not family. in Infinity War. <laughs> yeah, hard to no, say. No, but, but because of the dusting, like you get mm. the dusting, and you know the, that's what happens from the snap. He loses his family. Yeah. I like his little redemptive arc in that, and that he gets his family back. I think that's lovely. I think even if even if you know the phone call. Anyway, let's not even get into that. Well, I think I think that's actually part of reason why he can be so easily dismissed by people because it's felt also like he's rubbish. been easily dismissed mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. by by the Russos and by Marcus and McFeely and because they went can we get him into Infinity War? Nah, that's not bother. Mm-hmm. And you know, I thought they did it with mm-hmm. Ant-Man wasn't in, in it either. Yeah, so it wasn't just, people were. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. just yeah. Let's have some listener questions. Shall we? Let's yes, do please. It. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, it is of course one of these uh, MCU spoiler specials. That means we have had many questions sent in by Fal Shopaholic. Uh, I'll take a couple of them. Do you think the Bartons had to pay for tickets to Rogers the Musical? You would hope not, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I think I think you I think he probably would have taken the free tickets for him and his family. I think yes. that would be. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. think so. Also, I think anyone who has to pay for Rogers the Musical <laughs> will feel hard done by because that thing was gloriously bad, and I cannot wait to see the whole thing. I was, I was, and I am my taste to the sky. I, I just had so much embarrassment by association. I just yeah. like, oh, it was painful to watch. Yeah, and painful to watch Hawkeye watch. It was yeah. just like, oh no, God. It was magnificent. Thank God do, Steve wasn't there. I do love that I can do this all day has become the well-known Captain America catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was $200,000 too low a starting price for Ronan's awesome retractable sword? It's quite a lot of money for it's a It's a lot of money weapon. for a sword, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even if it does retract in a way that physics would have serious issues with. Oh my um, God, get out of here with your science. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it though. Nightlight Guy asks, do you think this miniseries will be a true passing of the bow? Hey. Uh, and the last that we'll see of Renner's Hawkeye. I don't know if it's the last that we're going to see, but I do think it'll be a passing of the bow. There's already, you know, he's being very begrudging about it, but there's already been some mentorship going on in the second episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we're going to see more of that, uh, even from the little sort of uh, screenshots and clips that I've seen. We're clearly going to get more of that. So yeah, by the time episode six concludes, I do think that she will have earned the moniker. This person also asks, do you think we'll get a secret unscheduled cameo in Hawkeye? And if so, who would you like to see show up? <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio, Kingpin. Make it happen. <laughs> Make it happen. I mean, <laughs> the, way I do the, the word was secret. Not mm. as in Vincent D'Onofrio heavily <laughs> hinting on Twitter yeah. that he's in this show, <laughs> which is basically what happened. 
So someone that you don't expect to show up in this, because we know the Florence Pugh will, I'm heavily expecting, which will be very interesting, Kingpin to show up also. And I don't know how that's going to fit in, but hey, that's I didn't write the thing. Well, <laughs> it's not my Yeah, it's, it's not also my problem. from a tonal point of view. Like mm. the, the tone of this show and the tone of that character are very different. Yeah. But yeah. that's that's the tone. I, I think it's interesting that the, the, the at the moment the tone is working and it's working mm. for me. But the first time we see Clint, he's sitting there miserable watching, you know, a dreadful facsimile <laughs> of his dead best friend who, <laughs> whose death he is, after a fashion, responsible for. Oh, no, oh, I don't After no. a fashion, sorry, she killed not. herself for him and his family so he would, he would go yeah, on and have a life. And I'm not yeah, saying, but, frankly, it should have been him, but it oh absolutely yeah. should have been it him. It should have been oh, him. Okay. <laughs> like, it was her choice, no, though. Like, it was sure. also right. his choice, though. He wanted no, to, he wanted was to, he was, he was going over that edge as he well. He did she have a family. Him. He did have she a family. Stopped him. Okay. He stopped her. She stopped okay. him. Okay. He stopped her. And then I, eventually and then, she won. Yes. Okay. Because she's yeah. better and therefore yeah. an asset to the team oh, in a way that he is. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, we got four more episodes of this. So just get out of your system. Oh uh, what were we talking about? What were we talking about? Oh, okay, so he, so he's sitting there and he's utterly miserable. And then you have that kind of, you know, and I hope again they're not kind of just simply repackaging Tony's PTSD from Iron Man three. But you have that moment where he sees Natasha shit Natasha on stage, mm-hmm. and he's going, "Oh, she didn't sing like that. That's terrible." Mm-hmm. And then he has a, you know, he has a, he has a wibble, doesn't he? I don't think Tony owns PTSD, either in the Marvel Universe or... No, but he owns it in, he was the first one to experience it in the MCU. Yes, but that doesn't, you know, mean nobody else can have it. In fact, it would be very unrealistic if nobody else did. I mean, frankly, they should all have severe PTSD. (laughs) Um, Literally everyone on Earth. Everyone on Earth should have PTSD after the snap. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, so yeah, I think it's an important thing to deal with. Uh, so yeah, I, I do worry that as it gets deeper into his past as Ronan, mm. which has to be the reason why the Ronan suit is important mm-hmm. in this, that mm-hmm. it's going to delve into that, then I, I worry that that's going to somewhat clash with the fun Christmassy, it's the most wonderful time of the year tone of the show. Here's the thing though, the best Christmas movies and stories tend to get darker before the light like it's a wonderful life obviously being the classic example but it's a wonderful life is a story about a man who gives up one dream after another for an hour and a half Mm. um and there are some good bits in there as well like he gets married he has kids he falls in love fine okay but also he gives (laughs) up one dream after another incessantly for like an hour and a half and then there's a happy bit for like the last five minutes Mm. it's not a cheery cutesy film. So you're saying it should be, it's a sucky life. No, but I'm saying it is a wonderful life, but he has to come to that realisation yeah. through a lot of suck on the way. Yeah. And then, you know, if you look at things like A Christmas Carol, huge amount of darkness before you get to the cheery part. Mm-hmm. The best Christmas films, with the possible exception of Elf, have a lot <laughs> of darkness before the end. Even in Elf, you have this guy who, you know, suddenly has an adult son he has to deal with, and the adult son is a fucking weirdo who keeps spilling <laughs> syrup everywhere. That's not fun for him not a until he sort of... Actual syrup. <laughs> actual syrup, yeah. Um, that, that's not fun for him until he kind of gets to know the dude. So, you know, the, I think if he has to go through something, I think if he has to face his past and face some of those demons... And then get Christmas. Actual with his demons. Mm. Mephisto confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> then that's only a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Now I completely agree with that. It feels honest and authentic to go down that path. And yeah, the night is darkest before the dawn, and the dawn is coming. Mm-hmm. Here's another question from at what's this name? Stee nine hen Stephen. Steve. Steve. 
I feel like so far Hawkeye is bringing a warmth that was missing from much of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm. I was expecting the Christmas setting would do that for me. Oh, tell you what, before I finish this question, this, I spent, not Christmas Day, but a few years ago, my wife and I went to New York in the last week before Christmas mm. and it was glorious. New York at Christmas <laughs> yeah. is just it's awesome. wonderful. A fairy and, tale. Uh, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Uh, I taped over Tigard. And she was, yeah, I mean, that, that, this show is just making me nostalgic for that. You know, I haven't traveled abroad because apparently there's a pandemic going on, but I would love to go back to New York yeah. uh, for Christmas. It's just glorious. And the fact that they've, you know, they've, there's obviously a bit of studio work going on here, of course, but the fact that they've actually shelled out the, the, the you know, those, those Feige dollars uh, to, shoot in New York yeah. really brings so much to the show. So that we could see the Disney store. <laughs> Did we? Yeah. Did we? I didn't see that. One of the Disney stores that has not closed during the pandemic. Yeah, that's yes. energy. When they come out, there is, a, there is a Disney store in full view. Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay. Me neither. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, the same property of Marvel Studios. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were standing in front, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it is good. I mean, look, Christmas in London is good too. We also have it's enormous good. trees. Mm. Yeah, it's all right. It's fine. It's good. It's not a You're patch all in New York. <laughs> no. We are we are the Hawkeye of global Christmas events, I like to think. <laughs> I mean, I feel Four like more that's... Weeks, James. Four more weeks, James. <laughs> <laughs> Just pace yourself. Try and spread, spread oh, it high. Oh. I'm Team Bishop. Uh, We're all Team Bishop, but we don't have to be. Like, it's not like they're... I like it's either or, Helen. It's, it's a zero-sum game. I like Barton. I'm Bar- just I'm just Team Hawkeye. I don't care. I don't mm-hmm. care whether it's Kate Bishop or Clint Barton or the thing that, that checks whether the ball is in or out at Wimbledon. I like Hawkeye. Do you think we're going to see the scene where, where Clint informs on the Traffic Mafia to the police? And it's Barton's think. Think. <sighs> you didn't Barton think that through, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Question from Stephen. I was expecting the Christmas setting would do that for me, but it's more than that. It's that there are people in this one. Apart from the boat scene in Fuzz Falls, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, it felt like an empty world as if more than 50% of the world had gone in a snap and hadn't returned. And I thought that was the, a very, very good point and actually hit on something that, you know, we talked about the fact that Falcon had went to Soldier, which the more we see of Phase 4 <laughs> just does not age well. It was an idea. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the more I, we... Look, it wasn't as good as some of the stuff that we got, but words like, that's a very strong word. Like I, It's bottom three MCU. I need to think about that. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's, yeah, it's not great at all. I would or not, indeed it, good. It's, it's not in my top two thirds of the MCU. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, my friends, is Danny with Fame Price. Uh, anyway, so, <laughs> but that, that hits upon something because I think that show obviously was affected by the pandemic mm-hmm. in a way. Yes. All these shows are, all these films are having to shoot in the pandemic. But I think you can see studios really beginning to get to grips with it now Mm -hmm. and things are now being shot almost normally and Falcon and Winter Soldier just felt it was affected by it and it felt empty and it just felt a little bit directionless it also followed WandaVision which was magnificent and I think Mm. that didn't help it either but it was also like it came before Loki which was also better like everything has just been better than that I I think but there are some really good moments in in that show of course there are good moments but like the the problem and we've said this before we're not going to relitigate Falcon and the Winter Soldier but the problem (laughs) with it for me again was it's not that the big scenes were missing I didn't actually care about crowds on the streets although you're Mm. right some of the background did seem a little bit quiet but what I cared about was the missing 
talking scenes between yep. mm-hmm. the core yep. cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was what felt lacking for me in that show. And that was what I wanted more of. And, you know, if there's a season, well, there is a season two, like hopefully that's what they get right. But but mm. this one, I think, is is keeping that focus on the dialogue moments, on the on the relationships mm-hmm. in a way that Falcon and Winter Soldier didn't. And I think that's what makes it feel warm and, yes, human at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agree. Cantona's Ghost, Cantona's Ghost. What other Marvel theatre shows would you like to see? <laughs> and with what styles? <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, rock opera, he suggests. It would have to be. The Story of Wakanda, done by Lin Manuel Miranda in Hamilton style. Thanos, the one man show on Broadway. (laughs) I was right. A philosophical (laughs) soliloquy delivered to the audience. Played by James Dyer. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Shaman wrote that song, by the way, from from the the Rogers, the musical. Hairspray, etc. They did exactly the right thing. Obviously, they have relationships with a lot of these Broadway guys, but they did exactly the right thing in getting proper Broadway composers and Mm. then telling them to, you know, turn it up to 11 or higher. Do it yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> but it is catchy. I have had that bloody line mm. in my head and I don't want it there. I would I like it to go. I do this all day. <laughs> yeah. I think it might be because it sounds a bit like love is an open door. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh no, it God. goes Agatha all along, Star Spangled Man remix. Probably I could take oh, I can do this all day third and then the Loki song fourth. So Which is the like, Loki song? The Asgardian vault song that he sings on the train. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was. Good. While drinking the figgy port. There you go. Mm, figgy port. That's a, no, that's a Christmassy drink that Barton should be having yeah. at some point. In here. <laughs> that's he has the figgy port. Val mm-hmm. <laughs> Shopaholic's back again. Hooray! Hello. Why does Disney always like to kill off a hero's parent? Well, Val. As we've discussed, maybe I'm not, not sure that has happened. Mm. And uh, Felicity Kate, who's also a long-time listener to the show. Um, wrote in uh, or basically made known that she was unhappy with the evil step-parent trope that seems to be happening in this show. But again, don't I don't think, think that's what's happening. Yeah. I, I, I will say, I think generally speaking in literature and especially in Disney films, the reason people kill off people, uh, parents, two reasons. Well, first of all, they, they kill off the mother because historically that's what happened. Mothers died in childbirth and everybody was a you know, half orphaned at least. But mainly, I think nowadays they kill off parents for story reasons because if your parents are there, you're probably going to be okay, is the, th- is the feeling. Mm. If your parents are there and doing their job, they're going to protect you. So if you are a young person, and obviously Kate is technically an adult, but she is a young adult. Um, if you're a young person then and your parents are there, then, you know, yeah. they're going to look out the for you. The safety wheels be- need to come off. Exactly. <laughs> so, yes, if you're going to have an adventure and there's going to be real peril then chances are you're going to be an orphan or semi-orphaned or your dad is going to be being held captive by a beast in his <laughs> castle or something like that. Yeah. Um, because otherwise the the jeopardy isn't there. And I think actually it's one of the things that I think is is sometimes wrong. One of the reasons that I love Diana Wynne-Jones, who I bang on about all the time, is that her children's books don't do that. They just have parents who are a bit shit sometimes. Which hang I think on, is hang on. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Charmed Life. Aren't Cat and Gwendolyn's parents dead? Oh yeah, sometimes she has orphans. Okay. She doesn't not have orphans. There are totally orphans in there as well. But she also has loads and loads of just neglectful or absent or distracted parents. Uh, I mean, Crestomancy well. was emotionally unavailable. Yeah, 100%. Anyway. Done? Here I this my... <laughs> <laughs> At Adrian Cash 1. Really loved the first episode of Hawkeye. 
but I really didn't buy that the bad guys wouldn't realise that the Ronin they were fighting was a completely different body shape and size than Jeremy Renner. Or that the suit didn't even remotely fit her. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. Everybody Ronin fought seems to be dead. That's true. Mm-hmm. That so, is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So think, think that the tracksuit mafia are known as being the smartest guys. Uh, <laughs> so, so. I really liked them, I have yeah, to say. me too. You know, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> difficult to get warehouses because of That's funny. That's yeah. funny. That was funny. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. Yeah. And when Kate crashes through the, yeah. and when Kate crashes through the ceiling, <laughs> And one of the guys goes, bro, I found her. <laughs> Maybe I'm rolling back my criticisms of the script, actually. Do you know what? It's a lot better than I remembered. This is like our eternal spoiler special in, in microcosm. Where we, we somehow managed to convince them all that it was really good. No, you managed to convince me to be excited about seeing it again. I've yet to determine its goodness because I've not seen it again sure, yet. Sure. sure, sure. But I will get back to you once I do. Sure, sure. Sure, sure. Sure, sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> Another Christmas movie. Yes. Well, New Year's, technically. But. Yes, indeed. Sure, sure. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the Ronin suit. The Ronin suit. Mm-hmm. Um, different body shape. And also whenever she first confronts um, uh, Jack and Armand in the at the auction, mm-hmm. she's obviously a girl. But it is it is that idea that they're very, very stupid. I think I think Jack, there was a, there was a little sense of him, him maybe recognizing her. I thought in that scene. Oh, just a think? little bit. Yeah, a little bit yeah. maybe. Really? Oh, interesting. Well, it's interesting because I was talking to you about this uh, before we started. But the final interaction that they have in episode two, uh, Kate basically says information that she would only know from being in the vicinity of Armand, of the sword, of the auction, of everything. So I hope that Jack and and then they'll pick pick up on that. What did she uh, say? I did, she I, I says it, like, you know, uh, he's, he, he was killed with a sword. Like, that information, to the best of my knowledge, like, hasn't been released yet. The, the only way that you'd know that is if you were there. Oh, well, how would she yeah. know? I mean, I, 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 it's, uh, it's not, it's not how, like, he how, doesn't have a sword sticking out of him. He could have been killed with anything. So, maybe well, that turned, is. She turned him over. Maybe she sold that. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, but she says that stuff to her mum. And I think it might be one of those classic things where she's going, Oh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Mum, confidential information, and then obviously her. But mom he's right there when she says it. Right? No, he walks to the room. Okay, later. cool. Uh, but he does have the the sweet. How did you get that sweet <laughs> from your uncle's house? <laughs> How did you possibly get it, John Rob Five Thousand? Is Rogers the musical meant to be any good, or is it a turn off the dark style disaster? <laughs> <laughs> Very much the latter. It's got some good reviews. Yeah, it's got great reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Captures the heart yeah. of the hero. Empire podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it looks a bit ridiculous. I mean, the the thing is, like, most musicals are a bit ridiculous. Like, imagine if you'd been in the communards in Paris in 1830-whatever, <laughs> and then you saw Les Mis, you'd be like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, it's like a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm choosing to believe it gets really good after the intermission. Yeah. <laughs> That was clearly after the intermission, though. That's like <laughs> last act stuff. I would have thought. Oh, I don't know. That could have <laughs> no, been the fi- like, that could have been the, the big number before the intermission. Mm. So, well, you think all of First Avenger is basically like first half of Act mm. One? No, no, no. That's the end of act. It'll, like, be go- it'll be going right up to Endgame. Yeah, yeah, sure. There's loads to come. Loads to come. So that's what I'm saying. So, mm. so you reckon all all of his origin? Because it is Rogers the musical. It's not yeah. like the Avengers. Mm. Yeah. So it's like all of. First Avenger. Oh no, they'd have skipped all that on account of it not being very good. How dare you? <laughs> oh, how dare you? You wouldn't like it when she's angry. <laughs> she is wearing a fetching green jumper today. Just saying, she's, pre, she's pre-greened. But I also there was a there was a, a scientist on stage who was clearly singing about turning Steve into you know Captain America. Yeah. So I feel like they went through at least some of that. 
And so you think Act One finishes that that was the big pre-interval number. That that feels like the one day more of okay. uh, yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> There are like, other musicals. There are not other musicals. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it was incorporating melodies from other songs in that in that classic medley way that mm-hmm. that, that, a, that a musical will do. So you but don't even think it's end of Act One. You think no, it's middle of Act One. No, I think it's middle of Act One. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a, this is an important point that we are wrestling with. <laughs> I have to say, genuinely, if if Marvel want to go and investigate putting on Rogers the musical, even if it is this bad, I would absolutely watch it. I mean, I obviously, we'll all be there. I would love to see watch. the whole thing. I'd go to the I'd go to the preview of this. And I want someone to hold my email address, giant email address, and obscure the action and just move in front of the actors every now and again. And then every now and again, just from the ceiling, drops property of Marvel Studios so I can't see the rest of what's going on. That would be amazing. Just to give you the full effect. Absolutely. Why not? I'm I'm really really trying to think this through now and figure out how they would would pace that that movie, (laughs) that, that... That's show. I mean, if they if they want to get in touch with us, uh, Helen and I have no experience of writing musicals. So but we'd be happy as, to help. As anyone who's heard "Call Me by Your Name" will know, I know my way around a catchy melody. So uh, so get in touch, and I'm sure we can we can make I this think, as shit as it needs to be. I think Winter Soldier is a clear cut and point. Intermission after that, and then the rest. You think intermission after the Winter Soldier? Wow. Okay. After what? I after just... Bucky appears. After they, the, the final scene of. Um, How do you do that on stage? I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I'm just saying. Like, I, you know, I know they can do great things nowadays, but if mm. you've seen, like, the Harry Potter show and the mm. bit where the entire stage goes, mm. like, or the that's Back to the Future amazing. musical. Back like, to the Future musical, the mm. freaking car with yeah. the flying and the traveling through time. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, mm. you know, I, I, I don't know. They didn't seem to have that maybe big a budget for this one. Mm. What with the cardboard cutouts <laughs> flying across the stage, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I have questions. Someone was asking me on Twitter whether we think what, what we think a Marvel Christmas album would sound like, and who would <laughs> sing what. I obviously instantly suggested that Ant Man would sing "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas." Hey, <laughs> Peter Parker could sing "Little Drummer Boy." <laughs> well, he's already got his Spidey bells. Yeah, That's true. it's fine. That true. I was just about to mention. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. great. Oh, mm-hmm. Spider-Verse, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> uh, all right, let's wrap this up with just a couple okay. of last quick questions. Uh, uh, Sid Lichtenstein asks, uh, do you think we'll get go back to Kate's apartment? Well, there's not much of it left. The so crispy fried no. one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think yeah, so. I think, I think that's gone. The last of that. And just to show that, uh, that he uh, was on the same track as us, Jetpack Magazine uh, says, uh, I think that Kate's mum is the big bad. Mm. Yeah. I think, think, think correctly. So sir. he thinks that she may have killed Kate's dad, and I still say you don't cast Brian Darcy James and not put him in Rogers the Musical. Maybe you. I mean, well, maybe you do because like they cast him as King George and then didn't keep him. Well, you can't keep him forever. You have to let him run around and do other I mean, things. We are talking about the same Marvel that wasted Hiroyuki Sonata in Avengers Endgame on like a thirty-second scene. And don't so. even get me started on Michael Stuhlbarg. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. Uh, but yeah, I'm saying Stop that you strength. don't you don't get a Brian Darcy James and then fifth bill him. Yeah, although they do kill off Simon Cowell. Mm-hmm. I know it's not Simon Cowell, but it n- makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, will Yelena kill Clint? No, no. There you go. 
<laughs> and Fallon Shopaholic's back she's Hooray. come back in again here she comes uh, in the musical in Roger the Musical there's yep. a line where they sing we'll conquer the Chitari then get shawarma when we're done yeah. how did anyone know they got shawarma after the Battle of New York I think it's fairly clear at this point that the Avengers at some point have given extensive detailed mm. uh, interviews about all of their endeavours because there is no way that anybody would learn anything that is apparently common knowledge yeah. without that. So I think there have been some tell-all books written <laughs> with the cooperation of pretty much all of them yeah. at this point. Now, we could probably go through and, and yeah. map who's told what, yeah. but I, I don't have the will. And I'm, I'm, you know, Clearly, the owner of the shawarma joint would have had his picture taken with the Avengers and then true. put it in the window yeah. and then advertised based on the fact that the Avengers went <laughs> yeah. there. So yeah. he's probably changed it to Avengers shawarmas brackets. We will deep fry your <laughs> kebab, something yeah. like that. I think we might get more info on just how much people know in Miss Marvel because Captain Marvel hasn't been in present day much and yet mm -hmm. uh, Kamala is modeling her entire look on her. So exactly how that happens, I think one of the ways that we're going to get to know is that there is a tell-all book or something that, yeah, I want to be like her. Well, as we know, there's a big ex ex exhibit. There's a big Smithsonian. Yeah. So there's, mm -hmm. there's loads of stuff but, uh, yeah. dedicated to them. And Miss Marvel is a massive fangirl and so yeah. she will have yeah, she will be online trolling all the media pages. But that's a good point. Like we, you know, because she, she, whenever uh, Carol Danvers first surfaced in 1991, uh, she was it 91? 95? 95? Yeah, yeah, Crush Yeah, 95. So when she first surfaced, it was all very, very clandestine and mm -hmm. hush hush. And then she only really comes back and blows the shit out of Thanos' ship. Mm -hmm. Is that enough to make someone ship you? Maybe. <laughs> we shall see. Uh, Anyway, that's enough for the questions. Helen's got a hard out, so we have to bring this this bad boy home. We have to we have to land this Hawkeye plane. Let's do quick productions. What do we think is going to happen? Rest of the show. What do we What do we expect? Do we expect any major revelations? Any cameos? Any upgrades in power? Uh no, except the upgrade you get through mentorship and teaching, mm. and, th and through and Christmas person. cheer, and Christmas tree, <laughs> yes. and camaraderie, mm -hmm. and, right. and all the rest. They will yes. both discover the true meaning mm. of Christmas. Yeah, yes. I do think that um, the the costume left in the locker will not stay in the fucking locker. I think that was probably <laughs> a bad idea to put it there. Yeah. Um, I think that the tracksuit mafia are probably going to have some very bad days ahead, and I hope they have a nice Christmas afterwards because it won't be fun until then. I think that the second part of the there are no trick arrows lesson is that there's only the right arrow for the right moment or the right target or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of anything, like I predict that Kate Bishop is going to, I predict that we're going to have a scene where they're both going to call each other Hawkeye while they're taking down bad guys, which would be very cool. Was it because, we probably don't have time to get into it here, but she wants to be known as Hawkeye. Mm. He absolutely doesn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a big difference between them as well. And uh, I was going to ask you guys at one point, you knowing the idea about never meeting your heroes, whether you've ever had that a disappointing experience with meeting your heroes. Uh, I have, but that's probably not getting into it. <laughs> I you know, didn't really meet Denzel. I, I, he was the first person I asked a question to at the press conference um, doing this. And that was awesome. I haven't had any sort of bad experiences in that regard. Yet. I mean, you met us. <laughs> we're, pretty, we're pretty okay. I don't think After fashion. we were his heroes, though, so I think that's all right. Come on, Helen. <laughs> okay, Come on, sure. now. you're being falsely modest. <laughs> we're being, everyone's heroes. I'm being truly uh, modest. <laughs> not all heroes wear capes, and I tell you what, folks, some of them don't even wear pants. Anyway, oh, no. on that note, 
I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah. On that yeah. note, yeah. that is oh, it yeah. for our very first deep dive into Hawkeye. Come back next week when James will have revised his opinion about Clint Barton. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we'll have much more Christmas cheer to spread. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the Spoiler Specials as ever. Do keep and peel for more coming your way. Uh, but until we meet again next week, all that remains for me is to say goodbye to my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Amon Warman. Peace, bro. Peace, bro. Peace be unto you. <laughs> Peace be unto you. James Dyer. Merry Christmas. It is Christmas, James. Yes. It is a time of miracles. <laughs> so, so be, be a, a good, good cheer. cheer and fuck off out the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. I was going to think of something Christmassy and then I failed utterly, I'll be honest. Oh, that's all right. Mm-hmm. Christmassy toodaloo. Thanks. There you go. Uh, and it's goodbye from me. I am off to find a dog and feed it pizza. Not recommended, no, but not it looks like fun. I, I don't believe that dog would eat pizza. That dog would eat anything. Uh, I think dogs draw a line. My dog used to love eating jelly tots, but she would draw a line at uh, floral gums and cherry lips. Weird dog. Smart dog. Mm. Mm. True. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Ho, ho, Hawkeye! <laughs> no, we'll, we'll workshop it. Okay, bye. <laughs>